Let's turn together to Matthew chapter 1. Thank you to Meg for uh, sharing um, a little bit about her life and what God's done. And getting us into a week of joy. And joy is uh, its a th- one of the great themes of the Bible from the beginning to the end. But it's also a little bit, in, in my experience, it's a little bit uh, misunderstood because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times, a lot of things in the, the Bible that we experience, uh, we kind of have to go to what we know to understand it. And we know emotion, you know, that's like our, our best friend or our worst enemy sometimes. But that's like a, a context we can understand. And joy, because, it, it, because of just the nature of it, it's easy to kind of get it confused with other things. And so uh, joy is not the same as happiness. Okay, like they're not one and the same. Joy, uh, it's easy to associate joy with very favorable, favorable circumstances, uh, but but that is not really what we see in the Bible, you know, either. Um, it's also easy to associate joy with like a certain personality type, you know. Like there are people that we're like, I, I bring up joy, and there's like certain people that you think of. So it's like, yeah, that's a personality type or um, or maybe a certain kind of expression, you know, someone that smiles a lot or is just very positive and those kind of things. And and those those really just it, it falls very, very short of what we see in the Bible. Like joy is uh it, it is deep and it is beautiful and it uh is not the same as happiness. It is not limited to certain personalities uh, it is not limited to certain expressions, and it has nothing to do with your outward circumstances. So before we get into the the Christmas narrative part of joy, let me just kind of give a quick like primer on what biblical joy is. And I went through this last year on this same Sunday, and I really kind of just went in and grabbed some of those same ideas because I feel like it's, of the four themes, this is one that probably uh, is assumed a lot, the most. And I think it's so much more than we can assume. So let me let me give you four kind of structural ideas about joy, and then we'll get into the the actual passage. So the first thing about joy is that joy begins with God. If if you were to if someone were to say describe the countenance of God, joy might be the first thing that you think of, uh, but it also might not make your top ten. You know. Uh, joy, but joy begins with God. It's, we see it in the scriptures. We see it in, the, in creation. At the end of, of each uh, day or each you know stage of, of creation, uh, he just enjoyed it. Right? He said, "Well, this is good." And on the on the sixth day, when he made uh, his image bearers, he said, "Oh, this is very good." Right? Like joy, God is, is takes joy in his creation. We have scriptures like Isaiah sixty two. The end of it says, as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. That he's, he's giddy, like a, like a groom on his wedding day, you know. Um, Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. That doesn't describe a grumpy old man in the sky, you know, like that, that describes like a, a, a joyful being. In fact, when Paul is, 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 is just kind of giving us a rundown of like, here, here are some of the ways that, that you, 
that you can know that God is active in your life. By the, if, if you're like a fruit tree, these are the things that are produced that begin with God. Joy makes the list. Joy's pretty high on the list. Not that it's a priority list, but right away, like, Paul was like, no, God is joyful. And so John Orberg says, says it this way. He says, God is the most joyful being in the entire universe. And so when we think about joy, we have to first understand that like, joy begins with God. That he is the epitome of not, of not only love, like we talked about last week, but also of joy. Um, so that's the first thing. Joy begins with God. Second thing is that God shares his joy with us. So joy is not a human construct. It's not a um, kind of a uh, the aftershocks of just kind of like life here on earth kind of thing. That it begins with God, and God wants to share his joy with us. And on his last night with his disciples, Jesus, in three different times, uh, brings up joy in very important ways. John fifteen eleven. he says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus says, I'm going to share my joy with you because you don't really know joy yet. You know happiness, you know, like, you know, you know, circumstantial things being on the on the upswing. Like you, you know, these kind of worldly things. You don't really know joy yet, but I'm going to share it with you. And then you're going to know because you will have a fullness that is unlike anything you've ever experienced before. So my joy will be in you so that your joy can be full. A little while later in 1622, he says, uh, So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. Now he's talking here about the resurrection. He says, when, when you see me again, there will be a joy that no one can ever steal from you. When you realize the beauty of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. That that whole subject, everything about Jesus should, there's something that stirs within you when you begin to think about it. He's like, look, life's going to be hard, but nothing can take that away. Nothing can take the resurrection joy away from you. Then, next chapter, same, same night, he's, it's a long, long discussion he has with him. 17.13, he says this, But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So, joy begins with God, he shares it with us, and that is a part of what pushes us into mission, because there are people who don't know the joy of the Lord. They just, they don't know it. And so when we think about evangelism, we think about sharing the gospel, uh, bringing, bringing the truth of God into people's lives, like a part of that is that they need to know what joy is. They need to understand this. And that's a part of why Jesus shares his joy with us, is so that we can share it with other people. And so joy is a very, very big deal to God. So, first thing, joy begins with God. Second thing, God shares his joy with us. Third thing, is that joy radiates from the soul. Joy radiates from the soul. So, first commandment says to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, strength. Now joy, um, joy can be a part of, of, of the heart, of the mind, of the strength. Uh, so there are physical and mental and, and those kind of things. There's joy that gets in there. But those things can also have 
like joy may not necessarily be a part of those things. But if you are joyful, it is beginning with your soul. So what's your, what's your soul? Your soul is that is the like immaterial part of you that will live forever. That when your body gives out, and uh, if Christ has not returned yet, when your body gives out, your, your body will go into the ground, and your soul will go to be with God. That's the part of you that lives forever. And then when he returns, all this stuff is going to happen, and we'll, it will be, it become embodied again forever. And that's a, that's a whole sermon series in and of itself. So, but when you think about your soul, you're talking about the, the part of you that, that really nothing can touch. That's why Jesus says no one, no one can take it from you, because it's in your soul. So your body can be attacked, your mind can be attacked, our, our, our hearts can be attacked, uh, all these kind of things can, are all vulnerable, but your soul is not vulnerable. And so joy radiates from the soul. That's, that's why we can't think of joy as being limited to someone's personality type. You know, Because everybody made in the image of God has the joy of God. That's why when he, when he describes it as fruit... The, it, it begins with the trunk of the tree into the branch, into the, then there's the fruit, right? God is the trunk of the tree. We are the branch, the fruit that comes out the other side. So fruit in our lives is just evidence that God is, is there and he is doing something. It's just an extension of him. So it's not limited to a personality. It's not limited to a certain kind of expression of joy. Um, that's why, it, because it's of the soul, it's different than happiness. You can be miserable in your circumstances and joyful in your soul. That's why it's not limited to um, things going your way or you having a good day or whatever it might be. So if we're if we're realizing that okay, so so God God is like it begins with joy begins with God. He shares it with us. It's radiating from my soul, not the other parts of my life. Then it starts to make sense why the Bible speaks of joy the way that it does when we see people rejoicing. Um, here's a few quick examples. In 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, Paul says to rejoice always. You're like, what? How is that even possible? Well, because it's about your soul, not about all these other kinds of things. So you can be going through something really difficult and terrible, and yet there's a joy within you. And I bet, I bet we've all experienced it. I bet every Christian here has experienced it at some point. This like, why do I, why do I feel like I'm two things at once? That's why. Or in 1 Peter 1, he says to rejoice in the various trials that are grieving you. That makes sense if you're thinking of joy biblically, right? Like it started, it kind of puts that together. Paul says in Philippians 1, to rejoice whether you, basically whether you live or die. How does that make sense? Like, oh, because joy is my soul, which lives forever. That's, that's how joy can, can be there. So, so our souls are massive and they can anchor deeply into this greater reality. Um, and like the one, one way to like kind of just a story of one way I've experienced this. Uh, so on Tuesday of this coming week, it'll be the eight year anniversary of a death of a friend of mine. And a lot of you got him, Jonathan Wilmore. Uh, and so before the, the churches merged together, uh, we at living hope went through our first at, at, from the time we were a church plant until 2012 um, we had gone six years and we had not had a death of an adult. Um, we've been through other kinds of loss, but this was, was unique. And so he was one of us. Jonathan had a, had a, a, 
a medical condition where we knew at some point, at some point his body was, was going to give out. Like that was something. And he talked about it openly. And uh, it was a day that we all dreaded because we thought that it was going to be kind of a slow decline. And this just came out of nowhere. And, uh, and so we, at that point, our, our church service was meeting on Sunday evenings. And so that night we kind of like nixed the, the plan and just kind of had a, like a time to share about, about Jonathan. And we told stories and we laughed and we cried and we just kind of, it was just a togetherness kind of thing. And, and that was one of those times where I was like, why am I so sad? And yet there's something joyful happening inside of me. You know, it felt weird. Like I almost felt like, is this wrong? Like, am I doing this wrong? I haven't really grieved a peer adult before I, and, and everyone was kind of the same way. They're like, man, I'm so sad for us and for his mom and his family. And, um, Avis, if you're watching, I know that Tuesday, we're with you on Tuesday, you know? Um, and, but yet, like, why, how can I be so sad and yet so happy, <laughs> you know? Cause you're sad for his mom and for his, his family and his friends and for our church and sad for us, but you're so happy for him. That's what it became clear. It's like we're rejoicing for him because he's free. For the first time in his life, he's free from the bondage of that body. He's where he always wanted to be, right? And so you're feeling these two things where it's like, shouldn't I just be one or the the other? And I don't think I should be happy, but why am I happy? It's, It's because we were joyful. It's because our souls were celebrating the fact that this brother of ours had made it. He had made it home. And we are going to miss him and we still miss him. And it's crazy to me that they're, that we're in this, we're in this place where so many people don't know who he is. Like that just like weird to me still. But, but that was a, that was the, the thing. That was the two opposing things that felt wrong. But God's like, no, that's probably how you should feel. That's what your theology teaches you to feel. That's what the Bible where your theology comes from, teaches you to feel. That's, that's joy. That's why joy is not about circumstances or feelings or personalities or expressions. It, it's, it, it's different. It starts with God. He shares it with us in Christ. It radiates from the soul. And so the, 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 the last point is like, let me just give like a kind of a concrete, here's a way to think about joy and define it. Um, and this is just sort of my own like swing at this. So if I'm theologically inaccurate, I'm sure someone can let me know. Um, here's the definition. Joy is the soul's response to God's activity. Joy is when my soul is responding to the fact that God is doing something in this moment. And when you look in the Bible, there's, there's kind of three different settings where we see people, where we see joy lead to rejoicing. Uh, one is when they, when God has done something, right? Like God has, he answered a prayer. Like we've been praying this for a while and God answered it. Um, like we've been, uh, uh, he's made this promise and it is fulfilled, you know, like God, God's been doing this all this time. We didn't even realize it. Or in this moment, God's doing something in our midst right now. So like Solomon's dedication to the temple, right? That's like a moment where they're, they're just stunned. Like they came and do what they came there to do because they're so overwhelmed and it breaks out into rejoicing. Or, uh, when, when you realize like this deep belief that God's going to do something. 
that he's made these promises and you're like deeply believing he is going to keep, can you believe it? He's going to keep it. Isn't that going to be amazing? So Advent has all of those things together, right? Advent, we're celebrating the first coming, which is God kept his promise. Uh, the second coming, which is a future thing. And then he's with us right now. Like, so that's why joy makes sense in this. Because in the Bible, we see people's souls begin, they break out in, in joy and in rejoicing when they realize God's moving among us. How incredible is this? And you just kind of can't help it. It can be in the best of times and the worst of times. It can be in the valley of the shadow of death, and yet suddenly you're like, I'm not even afraid of what's going on, because why? Because he's with me. That's biblical joy. It's so much deeper than circumstances or happiness or personality types or expressions. So, Let's look in the birth narrative of Jesus and see where we can find joy. So if you, ha- if you haven't been tracking along, each, each week I'm taking the theme of the week, tying it to a character or a person involved in the birth narrative. Uh, almost like if you were to look at a nativity scene, we're just going to pick different characters. So for hope, it was Mary. For love, it was Jesus. Uh, who do you think it would be for joy? You're probably thinking the shepherds, right? Because the angels came and they, they said the word joy, and so that's probably like an obvious thing. No, not joy. Uh, for the shepherds, joy is going to be for Joseph, the most forgotten about character in the whole thing. Uh, let's, read, let's read the very little bit we know about him, and let's see where the joy surfaces. Matthew 1, starting in 18. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Okay, remember that. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Here's the quote. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Okay, so so where's the joy, right? I give you. I don't see any happiness. I don't see his personality coming out here. I don't see this is a favorable set of circumstances. Uh, if we're thinking of joy incorrectly, we're going to miss the deep joy that Joseph walked in. Now, it's not explicitly there. So if you're looking for the word joy or rejoice or anything like that, it's not there. But I think if we look at the fruit of his life, I think we're going to see that joy was present. Here's what I mean. Look at verse 20. The angel, look at the end of verse 20. He's like, don't be afraid uh, at the end. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God gave Joseph assurance that God was in this situation. It's almost like he came to her and he said, Hey, I know you think that she's probably lying. Because it sounds really crazy. 
And I'm here to give you assurance that she is not only is she telling you the truth, it's a bigger truth than you'll ever understand. I I am in this situation. You just need to be assured of that. Don't be afraid of it. Now, think about your own life for a second. Wouldn't it be nice to have assurance like that when, when you're facing the various trials and temptations and just stuff that we go through? I mean, Mary had an angel appear in her room. Joseph had a dream, which still I'm sure he woke up and was like, what in the world? You, know, you ever had one of those dreams where you're like, whoa. But wouldn't it be nice for God to just give us assurance as we work through the muck and the mire of life? That, hey, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm in this. This is not happening apart from my like sovereignty and my goodness and my holiness and my love for you. Yeah, we, absolutely. That assurance is sometimes what's missing. You know, sometimes I feel like that assurance, I said this in the first service, that maybe that assurance is like the key that unlocks the joy for us. Well, let me ask you this. Have you asked him for assurance? Like, have you, have you just, just been bold? You're one of his kids, right? Have you ever said, God, would you just give me some assurance that you're in this? This is of you? Somehow. See, Joseph, you and I have this significant advantage over Joseph in terms of discernment for what's happening. Joseph was not a temple of the Holy Spirit like you and I are. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. So your ability to discern uh, God's assurances is significantly, I mean significantly, stronger than Joseph's. That's why God did, did things in really unique ways prior to the Holy Spirit showing up in Acts 2. Now, we, he's inside of us. And so that assurance is not distant. That assurance is closer than we realize. And so take this as a, a side note, just an encouragement. It's okay to ask God to give assurance that he's in whatever it is that you're facing. It's not disrespectful. It doesn't indicate that you have no faith uh, he's not going to roll his eyes at you. He's not going to you know, like chastise you in any sort of way. Think of it as if any son or daughter were to go to their parents and to ask them for assurance uh, that they love them or that they're with them or whatever. Of course the parent is going, absolutely. I don't want you to ever doubt that. So, um, let me get back to my notes here. Um, uh, when, when we have that assurance, it's like something goes from like head knowledge. It goes deep into our soul. Because I feel like we all are like, well, yeah, of course God's with me. He's with everybody, right? Yeah, of course he's in this. I mean, he's in control of everything. And, and you know, of course, this, like, it's, it's very for that to, easy for that to be on a very like, knowledge kind of level. But assurance, like this kind of assurance needs to go, like, can you bring that God into my soul? That's, that's what I mean. Joy is not radiating like it needs to. So we ask God to speak to it. Well, look at verse 21. Angel says, she'll bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The, the angel in this moment points him forward. 
This is what you need to name him because he's going to save people from their sins. He like points him forward in the timeline. And then in the next verse, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the prophet had, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. So he points him backwards. Now I know you guys are tired of hearing me say, it's the, you got to get the future and the past, pull them into the present. Are you tired of me saying that yet? Have you heard me say that? I've said it a lot. If you're tired of hearing me say it, I'm very sorry to tell you that it's not going to stop because the Bible is constantly doing that. The Bible is constantly having us look at the faithfulness of God, the track record of God, and to look forward at the promises in the future and to use those to get through whatever we're going through today. It happens in the birth narrative right there. You would think that an angel talking to him in a dream was enough, but he's like, hey, guess what? This is what the future looks like. This is what the past looks like. And so uh, this thing that you're going through right now, it's going to be fine. So what makes me think that it's joy? You know, well, I think a part of it is um, what happens after he wakes up. Verse 24, Joseph woke up from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Okay, so he, he wakes up, he goes forward in obedience which tells us that he believed that God was in this now because his path forward changed. Prior to going to sleep that night, his plan was to, what, divorce her quietly. In other words, he didn't believe what she was saying. And he was a just man. He's like, I'm not going to embarrass her, but like this is not what I signed up for. Wakes up from the dream. He's like, let's get married. Let's have a baby. Let's name him Jesus because he's going to save people from their sins. God is in it. When, when joy, when there's this recognition, when your soul recognizes God is active and that joy begins to radiate, you know what happens to our path? It, it changes. Like our obedience and the way that we handle situations, it, it shifts. It, it changes. It may not be as drastic as I'm going to divorce you so I'm going to marry you, but there's something that happens, and we see it throughout the, the Bible, and I made a list in case you think that I'm making it up. Um, because joy, like God's, act, God's doing this in the moment, led people to do things that seemed a little bit crazy. Like because of joy um, and God's activity... Here's a list. It'll be really fast, so hold on. Uh, Moses took off his sandals. Sarah had a baby. Abraham put down the knife. David danced before the Lord. Gideon tore down an idol. Jehoshaphat went toward the battle. Elijah called down the fire. Jonah went to Nineveh, eventually. (laughs) Um, Ruth and Naomi found redemption. Jacob walked with a cane. Look that one up. Uh, Rahab hid the spies. Joshua crossed the river on dry ground. Daniel got in the lion's den. Samson left his, uh, let his hair grow back out. Esther became queen. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego survived a furnace. Noah built a boat. Solomon built a temple. John the Baptist prepared the way. The disciples became fishers of men. Saul became Paul. Peter was reinstated. John saw a revelation. And Jesus endured the cross. All of that because... Joy, like they realize God is active here, and it ch- <clears throat> it changed their path forward. It changed their path for- path forward. <clears throat> if if Jesus is in the past for you, and Jesus is in the future for you, that means Jesus is in the moment for you. 
for me. And so whatever the circumstances are, the feelings are, the, the, whatever your personality is, whatever, uh, all those kind of things that we tend to think, put all that to the side and, and let the activity of God become evident to you. And God is doing something. And anything that you're facing right now, anything that you will face or you have faced, it's the same, it's the same thing. God is active among us. When Jesus said, I will never leave you, he meant, I will never leave you. Like at no moment is that possible. And so he is big enough to go ahead of you and prepare, be preparing a place for us, like we've been singing about and will continue to sing about, that that place is being prepared, and he's big enough to also tend to you in the moment and to tend to us in the moment. The angels told the shepherds, I have good news of great joy. For all the people. The best part of the joyful news that they brought is that God is doing something here. God hasn't forgotten about you. God is alive and active, and everything that He is doing is done in love, which brings us joy and gives us hope and brings us, preview of next week, to a place of peace together. So the Advent season. As we look at the first coming and look forward to the second coming, and here we are in between them, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be joyful and to rejoice because God is with us. He's moving. And so wherever this reaches into your, into your life, um, I would encourage you to, um, to prayerfully and actively think about God being present in that with you. And if you need assurance, if that part, if you grabbed onto that part today, do not be afraid to ask him. God, I just, I just need a little reinforcement. I just need a little, I just need some reminder. Maybe that's part of why he brought you here today. And so we're going to, we're going to do what we do here, which is we're going to sing a little bit more because that, that gives you some time to just kind of express some things in song or to remain in prayer or to just kind of process it. So we don't just like, all right, well, that's it. See you next time. And you kind of have to, I don't know what to do with myself right now. So uh, I'm going to invite the musicians to come back. I'd like us all to stand. I'm going to pray and kind of transition us into a time of singing and prayer. So you spend some time with the Lord as he leads you. Let me pray for us all. Lord, it's uh, such a humbling thing to think about your you being active among us. Uh, and so to have this great God who'd be willing to make himself small enough you know, to hear us and to care for us. I mean, who are we? And so, God, for those who, um, who, those who feel like they need that joy is being stifled, and that recognition of your activity is, is being uh, hindered for them. I pray that this would be a time where that key could kind of unlock what you're doing. And that you just remind them that you're near and that, you're, that you care and that you are in whatever is happening. It's from you and you're in it with them. And so God, as we sing or pray or whatever these next few moments need to be for us all, um, pray that you would just tend to us. And pray that the the songs and the lyrics would work together to just fuel our joy and our hope.
We love you very much, God, and we thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen.